We've been expecting you. Welcome to Your Fest, the podcast that's all about festivals. I'm one of your hosts, Johnny Sharples, and I'm joined, as always, by my mustachioed co-host, Tommy Stewart. Tommy, welcome. (laughs) Thanks for having me, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm really good, mate. Uh, Just won a game of cricket, so I'm happy. And actually, you know what? That relates to our guest this week. Our guest this week is Felix White of the Maccabees and of Tailenders, the the podcast that's all about cricket. But for anybody that hasn't listened to us before, and before we get into a deep dive into into Felix White, do you want to explain a bit more about the the podcast other than the fact that we have a guest? Yep. Um, Oh, God, got that bit out of the way uh, for once. Right, so every week we get a guest on to talk about their Dream Festival lineup, uh, dead or alive, any band or musician or artist or comedian they want. Uh, three headliners th- over three days. Um, and what have I missed this time? Oh, yeah, and we need a name and location for the festival. And as we say, our guest this week is Felix White. He was the guitarist in the band called The Maccabees. Tommy's favourite band and yeah, he now is one of the hosts of Tailenders which is one of Tommy's favourite podcasts so I think Tommy I mean I work be... on it so yeah all right plug so <laughs> I think Tommy will be looking forward to this one yeah uh well Felix is I mean I try and uh are you into wrestling at all Johnny what watching not doing yeah, okay. So there's a term called kayfabe. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So to the listener, kayfabe is basically um, maintaining some sort of uh, character, uh, which isn't real. Obviously, we know wrestling isn't real, sadly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is. <laughs> but um, I try to be in kayfabe, basically, and pretend like he's just a normal guest. But Let's be honest, he's not. He's a, he's a friend of mine. And Ooh, podcast a, friend. <laughs> and a colleague. And fucking, yeah, the Maccabees were already one of my favourite bands and then ended up working with him on Tailenders, which is great. Listen to the Maccabees, listen to Tailenders. That's, uh, that's listen to, to this podcast with Felix White coming up now. Go! Woo! Welcome to Your Fest and the Your Fest planning committee to Felix White. How are you doing, Felix? I'm fantastic, thank you, Johnny. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's the second time someone's asked how we are. We're, we're getting it back up, Tommy. People are being oh, polite no. to us. We're getting a reputation. It's only second time people have asked you how you are. I know. We, uh, we shouldn't really let on more people into the planning committee if they're going to carry on like this. Felix is a very, very polite 
Very polite man, though. Thank you, Tommy. That's kind of you to say, mate. And it's just general courtesy, isn't it, to ask someone how they are? I don't. I shouldn't get any points for it. I don't think. I think we're we're more in favour of um, commissioning your festival right straight from the off if you're going to be polite to us. Exactly, gets you a long way in this game. <laughs> in this game of festival booking. In the in the hypothetical fest, festival booking game. Totally, manners count for a lot. It's a very niche game, I'll be honest with you. I think there's, <laughs> there's possibly only us in the game at the moment. Um, you've obviously, you've, you've run a record label now, but you were in a very successful band, the Maccabees. So you must have played a whole bunch of festivals over the years. Do you have any particular favourites and do you have any particular least favourites that you're willing to name? Um, it's, it's all, to be honest, I mean, I can search for it, but it's quite, a, the whole thing's quite a blur because we did festivals... We must have done festivals for just over 10 years. So we sort of watched the entire culture of it change quite a lot. I mean, from the, from the point of when the, um, my earliest memories, I don't have a particular festival, my earliest memories are when the Maccabees first started, we weren't that far behind bands that were heroes. It had been quite a short period of time from the bands that had sort of inspired us to us making it work ourselves. So you'd suddenly be in these backstage areas with literally your fantasy festival, like all your heroes would just be there. We've been so, you, I would be running around like a nutcase trying to have conversations with the strokes and telling in the poll that I like their shoes and all kinds of things like that. And, um, and then, but by the end of it, we were so bored of standing in fields that we just stayed in our little port cabin and just moaned until we had to play. Were people, were, you know, when you, when you kind of did that, when you were when you were coming up and you were young and you were proper overawed by these people, were they generally accommodating? Did you have any bad experiences of anyone just being like, no, nah, fuck off, mate? Um, that's, an, that's a good question. I can't remember anyone saying that. There was definitely... There was, de <laughs> there was definitely, a, like, um, some bands were cooler than we were. So you definitely find that with the American groups that we were obsessed with, like the Walkman and that, is that oh. they weren't necessarily being rude and in the poll, they weren't being rude at all, but they just spoke far slower and <laughs> um, they had a different sense of reserve to them. And I don't, I don't know if you've got this feeling, but when you meet people you like, I, just, I used to have a thing when I had to tell them everything they meant to me in, within five minutes. <laughs> so they would get essays at them. And that's not always the greatest start for a, you know, for a, a communicable friendship. Um, are, you, are you kidding though? I, I literally did that to you in 2010 outside the lead mill, so. I'm glad <laughs> you mentioned this talk. Are we, are we going to talk about that? Well, I mean, why not? Like, um, well, ba basically, uh, but the best thing was, what I was about to say is that you were just, I, I was struck by how nice, like, you and, well, the, the rest of the band were. Because I, I was, I would have been twenty. I was. It was when Given to the Wild came out, um, yeah. which was the Maccabees' third album, and um, subsequently, like ten years on, uh, I now do work, do work on Telend as the amazing cricket podcast that Felix is a big part of. Big plug. But this there. is, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Sorry, get it out of the way. Get it out of the way. But anyway, I was wearing a Beatles jumper, and I'd just been to see the Maccabees play, and I think I was outside having a cig. And I came up and did all that kind of gushing to Felix. But then Felix was just more interested. He's like, oh, you're wearing a Beatles jumper, mate. He's like, what are your favourite Beatles songs at the moment? And I said, long, long, long. And happiness yeah. is a warm gun. And Felix was like, yeah. 
mate. Same here. Same here at the moment. <laughs> and whether he's lying or not. No, I really? wasn't making that up. That was really, and I still remember that. I don't remember anything other than that little, because it was outside, it was smoking outside the front of Leadmill. I remember yep. that little, little, tiny little moment because I remember thinking, that is mad that they were your two favourite songs because um, Long, Long, Long is quite an odd one. It's been a Yeah, but a lot, not a lot of people. Well, I don't know anyone other than you that says that, Tommy. So, um, <laughs> beautiful song, though, isn't it? Long, oh, long. and and well, George, George is my favourite Beatle. I share a birthday with him as well. Do you? Huh, didn't yeah, twenty fifth of February. Not the same year. So. <laughs> 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 um, I didn't know that yeah but anyway long long that was an amazing shout and I do it's amazing how these things stick with you because I do specifically remember that still and I and I, I think I probably mentioned it to you at the after the Hackney gig like I was talking to you and your brother Hugo and I I said that and you said you remembered and I always thought he's lying he's just being nice yeah there's like are you, do, do you know what I did used to have I have I have lied about that before, definitely, because you weigh it up in your head when someone says, Do you remember that? And you feel like you need to say yes. Oh yeah. Um, but I but I very specifically remember that, mate. Yeah, I'm not making that up. <laughs> <laughs> um backstage at a festival, like you say, it's um you, you meet all the bands when you're playing. How's the sure. vibe backstage compared to like going to a festival as a fan? Is it a lot cleaner backstage and a lot better facilities? Um, it changes that what I remember, like what I, when you're in a band and you're doing it for a certain period of time, the weird thing about, especially like Reading and Leeds and stuff is that they always look the same, but the people start getting younger. So you really mark, it really becomes the moment you realise that you're a year older or five years older or 10 years older because everything <laughs> looks the same. Just all the people don't feel the same age as you anymore. So that is like, it becomes a very specific, like point of reference but are they cleaner not normally like the big festivals have big um vip inverted commas areas where it's just a sort of guest bar and people from the record industry just sort of milling about pretending they're watching bands when actually they're drinking <laughs> and then you have a and then each stage has their own little um backstage area so you and the five or six other bands that are on your stage might be have a little sort of pen so you can be really lucky and have some great bands or whatever and end up there. I mean, it depends. It's been so different for so many different festivals. Sometimes it can just be nothing at all. You know, you just whisk in whisk out or whatever. What about, um, what about festivals abroad? Like, what, what's the difference between them, like playing European festivals? Um, so, yeah, I mean, as you, yeah, I was just thinking about, you know about, you know about the one with, I told you, I, I told a story in Taylor to me about um, Sam falling asleep in, in um, yeah. yeah, you do know about yeah. Tell it, no, tell it. So what, um, you get <laughs> the the European ones are, from my memory, are very are much better organised, like better food, Obviously. 
cleaner yeah. all that kind of thing much cleaner so you have um it's a far more accommodating time and also there's far more free alcohol and we like <laughs> we, a few years ago we had like i mean at this you know what i don't know what when this was about six or seven yeah maybe even longer ago we would we were on this run where we were opening up the main stages but you'd be on at about 11 in the morning on the main stage so you'd be have the rest of the day in the, of the festival just to sort of knock about but in, with nothing else to do and we used to have to get a little bit drunk just in order to play at all so i think it was in belgium this happened yeah so it's in belgium we were we got drunk played at 11 came off at 12 and just had nothing to do all day <laughs> and sam is our drummer is normally quite far ahead in all of this stuff right so in the backstage you i've just explained where there's all like the bands are hanging out sam falls asleep or passes out <laughs> at about 3 p.m in the middle of the backstage area and he's wearing a led zeppelin t-shirt and whilst that happens them Crooked Vultures get announced as the special guests who are John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin as a bass player, Dave Grohl, Josh Hom from Queens of Stone Age as Super Group. Coming a sort of tourist attraction at the backstage area where people are like putting cigarettes out on his head or using it to hold nuts on like on, on his shoulder or whatever, taking photos. And anyway, um, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin turns up and Sam's asleep in the Led Zeppelin t shirt. And I remember thinking, I so I asked, um, so I got a very sheepishly on to John Paul Jones, but drunk enough to have confidence and just asked if he'd have a photo with Sam, which Dave Grohl convinced him to do. And so Sam's asleep in a Led Zeppelin t-shirt with a John Paul Jones next to him. Then Dave Grohl does one with his tongue sticking out. And then it becomes a thing where like Dizzy Ross is doing one. And then people end up doing it as if they're in Madame Tussauds with Sam. <laughs> about a couple of hours later, he wakes up at like 6pm in his Belgian festival. Like, oh, you know. Um, and he just, as Sam normally does, just gets himself together. Let's go and watch some bands. And um, he didn't know. Um, <laughs> next day, but um, that, that all happened. But now they're very famous photos on the internet now, especially the Dave Grohl one that quite often gets passed around for Dave Grohl's birthday. Um, that's fucking yeah. brilliant. So yeah, that's, oh, that, wasn't, that wasn't the question you asked, but that's just a story from a European festival. Is is Dave Grohl as nice as everyone thinks? Then he was very nice. Yeah, well, he definitely. Um, he definitely played a hand in getting that photo taken, yeah, because I don't think it's the kind of thing that John Paul Jones would naturally normally go and do. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got him to thank for that, for sure. Um, and just one more thing before we start on your festival, um, Glastonbury. Obviously, we've just had that kind of, it's, it's that period and it's weird to not have it. Uh, what are your kind of experiences of playing Glastonbury? Because I love 
I often watch, it's kind of one of those sets that me and my mates might watch drunk is that one with um, 2015, is it? When, when Jamie T comes on. I just thought it was a brilliant set um, and it was kind of as you were coming to the end and the, the final album stuff what are your general experiences of Glastonbury and that particular set yeah I don't know I can't remember if that was that might have been the fourth time we did it I think maybe um, well, um, but Glastonbury's, Glastonbury is a weird one because just the sense of anticipation for it and the amount that people talk to you about it makes it feel very hard to take in so you so you quite often like i because they bbc put that up their glastonbury footage this weekend of our gig so i ended up watching you know like not just about a minute of it and i remember it was, it was weird because i was watching it back and i was remembering what was actually going through my head and then seeing what's what it actually looks like it couldn't be further removed from the experience <laughs> Because in my head, I was just, I remember this moment, I was looking across going, and I'm trying to go in my eyes, am I out of tune or are you out of tune? Some, something's out of tune, are we out of tune? I'm like, <laughs> sort of the panic of everything. Of course, nothing's out of tune and it's an amazing thing, but you, you're so sort of pent up with the attention of what it is and to get it right, because you know that people are going to be, like you say, like five years later, still watching it back and stuff. Um, but Glastonbury is amazing, man. Had some totally wild times at Glastonbury, and the gigs are always really special. And yeah, really beautiful thing. Tommy, Tommy touched on there um, with Jamie T coming out with you. How does that sort of thing work? How far in advance do you plan a special guest coming on stage with you, or do you just do they just happen to be there in backstage, and you just ask them if they want to come out? Or yeah, no, we knew Jamie because Jamie was doing the same stage the next day, so we knew that. So we sort of pre-planned that for about, for you know, it's about a week in advance we worked that out. He'd come and rehearsed it with us and stuff like that, so it was a lot of fun. But you do get that a little bit because there's enough people kicking around outside. But we're never, we're never that sort of band. We're always quite like methodical when it had to be worked out. And like, I don't know, do you want loads of people jumping? I'm, certain bands do that, but it's not really... I get quite bored with it, really, unless there's a purpose for someone coming on, you know? Yeah. Um, well, let's start on your first. And first of all, we need the name and location, Felix. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I mean, we can workshop this. This doesn't have to be set in stone if you guys don't like it. But um, <laughs> for some reason, I've got. I know. I just I like the fact that you're taking the um, you know the planning committee aspect of this oh, hypothetical festival seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's a democracy. It's not exactly a dictatorship. I was noticed out of joint here. Um, Lamgistics. <laughs> I've got Sorry. um I've got I've got Australia. It's in Australia. That's not, have you played gigs in Australia then? Well the reason I think the reason I've said that, I, I haven't I've sort of said Australia instinctively, but I think the reason I've said it Australia <laughs> is because we do. Um, <laughs> when you do festivals in Australia, they are moving festivals usually. So you're kind of getting on flights from one place to another. 
and you sort of do it to make all the like economics of it work out, I guess you do it all around Australia and you do like eight gigs at eight different festival sites. So it being in a band, it's the most fun you can have, especially because all the bands get put together on the, on like you all travel together. So you end up getting to know people really well. And you're in Australia where the like, weather's amazing, coffee's great. There's about a week of days off and in between every single festival. It's just like for any band touring Australia, oh. doing festivals is, is just the best thing in the world. It's a bit like you just have like six days with like, who's going to the beach today type thing. Oh God, why? Um, how long's like the overall period that, that, that you're there playing like that? I've not, like, when we did it, to my memory, we were probably there for, a, you'd, you'd be there for three weeks to a month over Christmas, January, and you'd be doing little, you'd be doing the moving festival and in, in every town you sort of do your own show. It tends wow. to be what people do as well. Um, because you're obviously not going to go back to Australia for about four years so you kind of do it all in one you know one chunks but um it was just the best time and for some reason i've not to um johnny i don't want to isolate you from the conversation but <laughs> tommy will know this from cricket but i don't know if you've been there tommy but um i in there's been a few occasions in my life where i've been having like just need to get away or exhausted having a rough time and i've found myself on flights on my own to Australia and it's usually wow. and it was always been to watch cricket like I've just done some mad trips on my own to go to the World Cup and the Ashes really? and stuff like that yeah just and there's something about it being the other side of the world when you need to escape that there's a, there's a great sense of re, like uh, relief and release being the other side of the world well yeah. it's, it's always been one of my big dreams to obviously go to the Boxing Day test yeah, at um, MCG have you done that yeah yeah I did that I did that, like, I think the last time I did it, and it was terrifying. There's a lot of people, and it's quite, like, I remember, I remember feeling, like, sort of nervous about it, because it's quite, like, yeah. this, like this, the gladiatorial sense of an occasion, and the sort of, like, queuing to get in, and it, like, it felt, like, it felt, like, a little bit fierce, actually. It was quite intimidating, um, Morning, that, but I was very young over, so I probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, beer fear. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, but it's, it's. I mean, it, it looks like a glad, glad, you know, it looks like a gladiator stadium. Like it looks yeah. like a gladiatorial arena, and it's what hundred thousand people. I mean, it is intimidating. Yeah, man, it really, it really is. Yeah. What, what, what do you find Australian like people like, and as music fans as well? We've had like. We've had some really, like we used to have some amazing shows in Melbourne. I love Melbourne. For some reason, whenever I want to, that's, it's the most cosmopolitan of Australian cities, it seems like anyway. And for some reason, and when I feel like I need to get somewhere, it ends up being Melbourne. I don't really know, I don't know exactly why it is. It's just a nice place to sort of float around. And you kind of, I guess, well, I guess one, one point of it is you can, everyone speaks the language, so you don't feel like you're kind of completely lost, but also it feels like the other side of the world. So you do get a genuine sense of escapism and, um, and, and a nice perspective to view your life from when you come back, I guess. Uh, if we're in Australia and uh, we're looking for a place to have a music festival, you could have it in the MCG. <laughs> it's not a bad idea, actually. I thought that actually briefly, yeah. Should we do it there? Should we do it I love the thought. As well? Oh, God. What? 
whilst how's that going to work the cricket <laughs> we're sacking up the cricket for a year and we're going to have this festival um with yeah the boxing day test is no longer applicable this year 2021 fuck we're, we're actually yeah, we're mugging up the ashes that's a poor conclusion anyway we all know what's going to happen we're going to get <laughs> yeah. i'm putting i'm putting my festival in at the mcg Oh, just call your festival the Boxing Day Test. You'll still get a big crowd because they'll still they'll still pile in thinking it's the Boxing Johnny, Day Test. Johnny, this is exactly why I wanted you on the committee because that is. <laughs> kind of stuff. Merv Hughes will be fucking living. That's the kind of stuff that I write. So let's put that. <laughs> let's call we get it that. that. <laughs> <laughs> let's put that down. The Boxing. Day. The festival is now called the Boxing Day Test, and it's taking place at the MCG <laughs> in Australia. Unboxing day. I can't, I can't wait till I can't wait till like Merv Hughes is watching fucking Bob Dylan instead of <laughs> instead of a yeah oh yeah and that's yeah exactly that's the other point that we should make is that the tickets are already sold to the cricket goers so <laughs> they have no idea this is going to happen they do, they think they're turning up to watch a test match and when they turn up it's my festival. Turn up in their MCG blazers and, and ties and everything, the members. Exactly, they have no idea what's going to happen. And so we could have a right on our hands, or we could... And then, and then you've got, you've got like, the, you've got old Bumble and uh, Mike, Mike Atherton and NASA doing, like, the iPlayer coverage, like Joe Wiley yeah. and that thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, TV. yeah. Sat on some haystacks. Being like... <laughs> I, and Stormzy's just come off stage. I, you know, come and squeeze in between me and NASA, Stormzy. Walking up the steps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the, next act, the next act's coming down, putting their pads on, ready for the... <laughs> exactly. This has gone exactly how I wanted it to go. How I knew yeah, it would because, go. Uh, do you know what? There's no, but there's no, but it's not cricket related at all, I'm thinking. I'm thinking when you get go in you get told on very strict terms suddenly if you even mention cricket you'll be ejected without return from this festival so we're putting about 500 over the week over the week we're putting about half a million cricket lovers we're throwing them extraordinarily out of their depth and we're seeing how they respond. oh god and uh, you know what I, I was thinking about this guy pundits doing it bumble would actually be really good because he he um well we all know he loves music anyway if you are a cricket fan but he yeah. once came on to he went he once came on to five live and me and my mate we were just like <clears throat> this is years ago and we said uh we're like oh god gotta say hello gotta try and get a picture with him or something and we did and he, he was lovely got a picture and then he <laughs> he just goes to me, he's like hey are there any uh any jobs going here uh i'd love to do love to love love a bit of five live i'd love to do a bit of cricket and a bit of rock and roll <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you ever listen to five live it's not really a music station it's like hey give me a show give me a show on bbc playing some rock and roll and uh talking about cricket wow what is, what wow when yeah. is this i would say it would be 2014 15 yes five six years okay. ago Unsuccessful right. application. Well, I'd listen to it. The Boxing Day Test Festival could be for Bumble. I think Bumble, as you said, I think Bumble is the John Peel of this event. <laughs> Rename yeah. the, the John Peel stage is getting renamed the Bumble stage. There you go. Yeah, That's it. The David Bumble Lloyd stage, exactly. Hot chipper on at 8.50. <laughs> <laughs>
That was my thing. I like that one. That's, look at that. The Woman's Weekly. What are you reading? Woman's Weekly. Woman's Weekly. <laughs> now, that goes in here, you see. You, <laughs> that's your thigh pad. It went in your pocket there. Yeah, okay. And if you've got somebody that's really quick, rapid, you get a towel. You get a bit of a towel. <laughs> shove that in as well. <laughs> just, just checks the impact. <laughs> <laughs> David <Lloyd's> stage. <laughs> this, they've sampled a snickometer just to get in the mood for the festival. Oh fucking hell! Um, we need we need the. Uh, I, I know it's on Boxing Day, but is that the first day of the festival, the middle day of the festival, or the the last day? Of the yes, festival? I think that works it out for itself now. I think we got to go. It can't be okay. Yeah, do you know what I'm going to do? It's going to be yeah. It's it's going to be Boxing Day, the 27th, 28th, obviously, because it's the Boxing Day Test Festival. But we do need to have bank the fourth and fifth days as well, because that's how long the test match days for. So I might, um, days four and five, I might, might be for unsigned bands and like oh, sort nice. of stalls and stuff, you know what I mean? Like Yala kind of stage. Exactly, yeah. I can get I can shoehorn a few of um Yala's acts on, on days four and five actually come to think of it. That would be quite good business for us. <laughs> See, thinking about it. Always you know. thinking. <laughs> you, you've always said that. Um well, <laughs> so this is this is uh 2021, right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we're foregoing the ashes, or at least the ashes this test match is cancelled. It's it's safe, it's saving a lot of heartbreak for England cricket fans as well so I appreciate that exactly yeah exactly I mean and also again sorry to get a too crickety but we all know the, the wickets are flat there we're getting a five day <laughs> yeah so let's not let's so just plug it off. This festival, <laughs> if we go for 2021 this festival is going to take place on a Sunday Monday and Tuesday which is brilliant Ivo Graham yeah. levels of planning <laughs> yeah, but I think you do have to take into account the holiday, you know what I mean? Because you made me sound bad there, but but actually it's the perfect <laughs> Slagging him off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I take I give with one hand in the name of the festival, and I take away with the other hand by uh, slagging exactly, off in yeah. the planning. So should we no, go it, for Sunday the Sunday the twenty sixth of December? Um, Wait, did what what was the name then? Sorry. Boxing, Boxing Day, Day Test. Festival. Oh shit, yeah, what am I on about? Fucking hell. Sorry. It's way better yeah. than, um, my, my, na my name of it, I was going to call it, was the Everything Might Be Okay Actually, question mark, festival. <laughs> <laughs> but I prefer this. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Go, go, I, I, I think that win, yeah, it edges it a bit. It does. So Sunday the 26th of December 2021, Day yeah. one of the Boxing Day Test Festival. Yeah. Um, who are we having headline that day? <laughs> Let me tell you, 99,000 Australians are in for a shock because they're not going to be seeing the greatest Australian attack running in and bowling nice line and length. They're going to be watching the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs.
Oh yeah. Um, well, I've, I've gone. I've gone. Um, I've gone. Yeah, yes, but because obviously this is impossible to do. Oh, you obviously know it's impossible to do because there's too many bands in history music to actually do a festival. So what I thought yesterday when I was thinking about this was. I'm just trying to pick acts, especially at the moment, but just make you feel good. So it doesn't matter if it's like iconic or legendary or like you should have been there or the best like thing you've ever seen or da da Just want to, like, I just want to name some groups, but every time I've watched them, I've genuinely left feeling like the world's a better place. And yeah, yeah, it's right. certainly that. They were like, um, I'm not even, I don't listen to that yeah, yeah records that often. Um, apart from the second one, but Karen O is just the greatest front person I think I've ever seen. Um, right. Especially at sort of embodying every single type of emotion in like loads of flippant gestures. She's totally transformative. And I think, I'm, yeah, go, go on, on to me. No, I was just saying, I think she, I think they, I mean, I think, you're almost doing a disservice in the fact that I think they, they possibly are a legendary band and now they're quite elusive, like, Absolutely. as well. And the fact that they 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 kind of transcend genres, like Beyonce, on Tierra and Lemonade, Beyonce, um, like, she credits Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's and she says the wait, wait, they don't love you like I love you line. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh, love, they don't love you like I love you. Oh, down, they don't love you like I love you. I've never seen them live personally, which I really regret. Hopefully, I get the chance to one day. Where, where have you seen them? Have you, have you ever played on the same bill as them? Yeah, we've, I mean, I've seen them. I'm, I've probably seen them close to 10 times and, and almost always that was just by coincidence of being on the same bill. And I, and I always remember leave, leaving any time you watch them play, just feeling lighter, feeling happier, feeling moved. And it's really something very rare to watch a human being be able to transform the way a whole field of people feels just by their own force of personality not even so much because everybody knows a song or anything like that, but just sort of transmitting the feeling of like total joy, very silly, um, very moving, really vulnerable, can be totally aggressive and intimidating, like all those things at once. Um, she's just really, really special, I think, as a performer, unquestionably. What bit, like you, you touched on the fact that she's such an amazing front woman, but she also has like, the iconic hair and that seems a bit you know odd to say but I think when you think of like front men like Freddie Mercury you think of his moustache and you know what I mean when I think of right. Karen O my first thought is always her hair and I think it's like it's moving beyond just the music and into like more beyond that is like the, the iconography almost yeah I mean there's, there is definitely that but like of all like musicians you could if you decided to have a Karen O fancy dress party everyone would have something to come as. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so she's definitely, yeah, she's definitely got that. And obviously like, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, to be honest with you, I'm just, I was just literally just picking that on a, on a feeling. And I just, like during lockdown or whatever, I just thought what band would actually make me feel happy and sort of changed 
and it is weirdly it's yeah yes even though i wouldn't count it as one of my favorite groups in the world if you could i mean if if you could hypothetically if there was just a gig now if if you could if you said right there's a gig this friday the, you know lockdown doesn't exist coronavirus doesn't exist for a day and you could just go with all your friends there's not many better bands that you just be like and the like yeah it's the aas you'd be like totally. fucking yes exactly it's joy it's proper joy especially i don't know what era i'd want them to be either because i saw them before lcd maybe a couple of years ago at um all points east and that was almost the best year I've seen them. Like after you could feel that they've gone through all the things that bands go through and they've just ended up, they looked like they'd end up in a place where they were just grateful, you know, to have it. And that was really, yeah, just really moving. Yeah. What, so what's, what, what, do you think, what do you think of Nick Zinner as a guitar player? Like is, he's a bit of like a, you know, mate, kind of yeah, wall of sound. He's an extraordinary guitar player, especially the main reason being is any time you hear him play guitar, you know it's him within seconds. Yeah. Even yeah. records he's produced and stuff like that, you know it's Batman playing guitar. And that's the hardest thing. Like you talk about all the technical things of playing guitar you want and people being um, better or worse or no more or less and having more or less tricks. But the main skill is to, is to is when someone hears you about seeing you, they just immediately know that's that person and he's a fantastic example of that like no one yeah. no one sounds like him no one can sound like him it's just him he's just found a way to communicate it somehow that's kind of the way with like some of the some of my favorite guitar players as someone who's played guitar in bands before um it's like i'm not technically i'm you know not got the quickest fingers or anything but it's about finding finding the sound like like the horrors or um you know, my bloody valentine thing I, mean, I guess i'm mainly referring to a lot of shoegaze stuff but using the guitar as a kind of using the guitar as i don't know an extra layer not just you know fiddly guitar lines yeah absolutely man it can be like loads of things but like you know you mentioned george harrison at the start of that and that's that's not that's another one of george's skills that you just know when he's playing when you hear george harrison play solo it can't be anyone else than george harrison and it's not necessarily like there's, there were technically better guitar players at the time, <clears throat> like blues players who might have played something like a sort of more um, theatrical solo, but just that human connection of, I know that's my mate playing that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Is, is really touching. And yeah, Nick Zinn is another one for sure. Want to move on to day two. Yes. Not that George and Harrison is my mate, by the way. It's just... Uh, <laughs> he feels, yeah, like, he feels like he is. Yeah. I think yeah, that's... Like an, I old, think, an old friend. I think sometimes with a lot of musicians, I think, I, I suppose as a musician yourself, that's sort of what you want to... That level that you want to reach where people, through your through the lyrics and through your song playing and through the songwriting, you want to make them feel like they know you on some level. I think you get that with a lot of sort of like... With, with Eddie Vedder, I'll never ever meet Eddie Vedder as a Pearl Jam fan, but the way that he writes and his voice, and the same with Chris Cornell, uh, their voices and, and their, the words that they wrote just make you feel like you know them, like Absolutely. you had a close relationship with them. Yeah, and in a way you do, you know, obviously sometimes people make the mistake of, of thinking that they know that person personally, but you, in a way you do know them better than anyone that knows them in sort of socially, because you sort of dug into something they've given you. 
But anyway, we're getting heavy now, aren't we? In the box. <laughs> Move on to the twenty seventh. Often like the worst day over the Christmas period. Mon- but... Monday the twenty seventh. Monday the twenty seventh. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. It would be the crowd coming are expecting a flat deck in Australia to be 300 for two. <laughs> when in fact, they are turning up on the no refunds given tickets to see Public Enemy perform live. enemies for the same reasons yeah, yeah so I, was, I was just sort of i was just scanning my head for thinking of all the groups that i've seen but i've left just feeling like the world's a better place and public enemy are hugely that and i've had a few um actually it's, it's good they're on this actually because the the, the australian festivals are talking about moving festivals we did one with public enemy around australia so we had we had like a whatever it is that period of time where you're getting on the planes, like you're doing the travel on the buses. Republic Enemy? Yeah, Republic Enemy, yeah. <laughs> what? Was, was it Flavor Flav Public Enemy? Or yeah, yeah, it... yeah, Flav. I, mate, honestly, <laughs> if, on, the, one, one of the main moments in, my, in our whole career when I thought, yeah, we have made it now, was when I was watching Flavor Flav take his clock off to put it in a security tray. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, thoughts. Oh, which he literally carries is... around everywhere, and he, he literally the only thing he put off, he puts it in the tray, <laughs> walks through. I remember, the... I remember thinking, I've fucking made it now, man. <laughs> yes. If I'm watching that happen in front of my eyes, like I've met, I, yeah, I've smashed this. That's one. To, <laughs> that's what. That, that's one to tell the grandkids, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, like, I, I wonder. If, like I'm a massive public gallery fan, but it's, I've never actually researched this. So I've only just thought of it now. Is it, is it the same clock? Like, has he had the same one for years, or great, does he rotate his clock? Great question. I don't know. <laughs> I, I reckon it must be plenty of different ones. Of course, it's never telling the right time as well. I've <laughs> <laughs> lots of opportunities to check that. He's always bloody, right always bloody. He was always bloody late to the yeah, yeah, exactly. the last two. <laughs> Sometimes two for three days. <laughs> 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 but, you know. but yeah, Flav was like another like. So I don't want to like bore you with stories from this tour, but like there was another time that I always think about as being hilarious with Flav. Is we did we had this one like I said, there's loads of days off on these festivals, and sometimes they were organised days out for you. So we went like. Um, to the beach and there's there were people showing us how to like you know water skiing or something which i never do but anyway I was, uh, so i didn't do it but i was watching flav get taught by the water skiing instructor. 
um, oh you know, how and they were saying like there's a certain area here which is a little bit shark infested so do not go near this area because that will be dangerous and Trey <laughs> looks at the instruction and goes all I know is if I'm falling off I'm getting on quick I'm getting back on quicker than a motherfucker that motherfucker is not joking <laughs> <laughs> the, oh guy, the guy was like, okay, that's fallen on deaf ears. <laughs> Off you go on the water ski. Please, please tell me you were still wearing the clock on the beach as well. That's a great question. <laughs> you, you could have had a situation like in Peter Pan where his clock gets eaten by like a shark or a crocodile. Yeah, they've got Flames clock too. <laughs> I've got like, through those tours, I used to take loads of Polaroid photos and I've got some great photos of and with Flave and Chuck D from that time, which is yeah. What was uh, what was Chuck D like as a as a guy? And mate, amazing. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. So happy. Absolutely, mate. I am um, actually because I was sort of he's quite a in a kind way. He's quite an alpha and um, presence. Not 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 in a um in, in a sort of cerebral way and sort of owning his not not in an aggressive way at all. But so it's yeah. quite hard to approach, but I just, it was just one of those, I was thinking, I've got to go. So I, I went to speak to him and I told him about something we've done with Roots Maneuver. Trudding the road with no place to go, it ain't safe to know, it ain't safe to feel so. Unattached to any particular concern, but to reconfirm that we dare to take this route hard travel with perpetual babbles and bittersweet civilies similar to nothing of society's teaching society's beating the best and the worst and it's yet another squalid verse and the thirst and the quest of the yet to be wretched such is the nature of the searcher when you've had it up to here and you don't wish to hurt ya and i got a big list of blame and i will call out names and i will fuel the shame that may Set upon society shows for generations to come Comfortably numb from the barrel of the gun If only I could wake this world If only I could shake this world What would it take to wake this world And hear the silent sigh, the silent cry um, And he actually, and he, um, he played on his radio show the next week And we, like, we, had a little, we had a little period where we sort of emailed back and forth about music a little bit, stuff like that why? Yeah, but like really open and lovely guy. They were they're amazing, man. They were such good fun. You remember how you first got into Public Enemy? Are they someone? Yeah, I it was a really good time when we did that festival because a couple of years previous to that, I just had a sort of a light like a, a light bulb in my head had just gone off, and I just got into all hip hop. I had a year or two period where I didn't listen to anything but hip hop, and I was sort of chased it. I chased it back through Biggie and Nas, and eventually got to Wu-Tang and Public Enemy, basically. And it, just, it was just sort of about digging digging out records and asking people and all that kind of thing. And um, man, yeah, though, that, the second and third Public Enemy records are just the most exciting um, records you'll hear by anyone with any instruments. Just, yeah, just phenomenal. No, I was just, just going to say, they were the, they were the first because like I'm, you know, majority of music I listen to is hip hop. It's it's like my favorite genre, and um, it that was the first one. It was a nation. It takes a nation of millions to that hold hold us back, which I bought. Yeah. Um, I've I discovered off listening off 
um, Tony Hawk, the, <laughs> is it the, the, the Anthrax one, the Anthrax oh, remix really? version. Oh, did they have, yeah, yeah, what, Bring the Noise Anthrax yeah. version on that? They're down Tony Hawk too, I think. So I must have been about 10 or 11. And all, the only hip hop I'd heard was Eminem. And then I was like, right, I've got to find out more about Public Enemy. Enemy, this sounds amazing. I was kind of disappointed that the Bring the Noise on It Takes a Nation of Millions wasn't the Anthrax version <laughs> initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, that was what that kind version. of. Yeah, well, yeah. Horrible that version. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, in hindsight, that, that was what kind of started me on my hip-hop journey. And I think it's the same for a lot of people. Yeah, it is, man. It's just, it's the source, isn't it, for all of it. And just, and also, there's just so much in Public Enemy, just the genius, really, of being a, of, of um, voicing a politicised message, but making it fun enough that people can enjoy it without, without even knowing that they're absorbing something but they might not otherwise hear just that way of transporting a message and all you still you you have it even to this day like all the great pop even guitar acts do that but whilst making it really just enjoyable you know like you know the clash whatever even idols do it yeah i remember getting big into when i was at university i studied uh, sociology and criminology and getting into public enemy and nwa yeah. there because they were like given sociological messages but through music and it's totally. like they were marginalized voices and that was the one of the only routes that they had to sort of get that message out was through music especially like nwa and the the heaviness and the aggression that, that is being felt still today in their messages was just incredible yeah. as a sociologist as a boring white middle-class sociology student to hear those right. voices that you weren't getting in textbooks and you weren't getting in in the lectures and stuff like that it was just a different voice to hear and it was it's still i still absolutely love straight out of compton i know that's nwa but like Same with public and now one wants a joke and things like that is still just as relevant as yeah. much now as it was when they were when they were first writing it back in the eighties. Absolutely. Yeah. True. Um shall we go on to Tuesday the twenty eighth, twenty twenty one? I just thought yeah, before we do that, I just thought one other thing that Flav says I've heard Flav say on that tour, which is hilarious as well. We like because you're on the on the flights so at the end of the flight, um, there's a girl in Australian band. I can't remember what they're called now, they're great. But she was talking to Flav and she was just sort of making small talk and she goes to him, oh, it's a long flight, wasn't it? And he goes, yeah, but it'd be small steps for a giant. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And she went, no, I thought about it. She said, yeah, I guess. 
You're not wrong. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I guess it would be steps from a giant. Um, <laughs> Giants are very much an underutilized travel tool. <laughs> yeah, just the way, the way his head was thinking. Anyway, no, a positive spin on is, it. Oh no, that's that's the best one. I'm glad you brought. Fucking hell. Well, sorry, like just I, I mean I could talk about him all day, but I, I asked about Chuck D, but was obviously he's flavor flavor, but was, was he like a sound dude as well? Yeah, he was. He sort of I didn't I mean I didn't spend the, <laughs> didn't go I, didn't go for lunch with him or coffee. No, like we did, but the, and you kind of laugh, but you kind of were because you were all just all catering and sat around, and so you did. There is a little bit of that. But um, he was, uh, no, he's just great, man. Just like really fun. And, you know, yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of the time in Flame is like he, he'd be dancing for people, you know what I mean? And we're quite aware of his sort of, you know, like throwing people's hats into the sea and stuff like that. It was, all that, <laughs> it was, it was that, like, while well, you're on a ferry, it was all that kind of thing. <laughs> so he was really annoying then. No, he was absolutely great. Like, just a lot of fun. I'm joking. <laughs> Do you remember when he did Flavor of Love? Do you remember that? And a girl, a yeah, girl did, uh, yeah, did a poo on the floor. Best not, best not talk about too much, Matt. Right. Okay. Let's do. <laughs> Sorry. Let's let's do Tuesday, twenty eighth of December, December twenty twenty one, at the MCG. Um, it's your final day, Felix. Right. It's my final day, and the Barmy Army. Are gonna go home disappointed to me <laughs> because they've come to see whoever it is, Rory Burns back for a day on a flat deck. When in fact they're going to watch the band and Bob Dylan reenact oh. the last waltz from 1976 live. And also what, what we have done, I mean, before we go on to that specifically, you could also have um, a bit of Dylan. Uh, so I think Ed, Ed Gamble, for instance, did uh, Rage, Gage, Rage Gage Machine and Run the Jewels co-headline. Yeah, uh, because there's some cross collaborations there, so you could also have a bit of Dylan on his own, maybe before or after. Right. Well, yeah, Dylan did do that with the band quite. He toured. They did um, before the flood in the seventies. But I think what I actually want to do is this is the one where I'm not really. I don't know if you have you seen the last Walter film, Scorsese film. No, not seen it. No. It's the best music film, concert film made ever. I highly recommend just watching it. It's the band. The band have been. Uh, they have, they've been the band for sixteen years, which begun with them being like a touring blues band and then playing for Bob Dylan and then making their own records, obviously for over a decade. And they do their last concert 
decide to split up and they get Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, Joni Mitchell, uh, Neil Young, Muddy Waters. Why? I could go on forever, all to come and play with them in this concert hall. But it's the film's cut with really, really brilliant, um, like, uh, interview footage and archive footage of Scorsese talking with them. And it's just a must watch. But the gig itself was, is something that when we were, so when Maccabees were first starting, we were kind of a little bit too young. Well, we were 17, so we weren't quite going to actual going to gigs. So we, our, our sort of reference points for what a gig was, what was the last waltz and like a wow. crash video and um, some old grey whistle test footage. So yeah. we were in for quite a surprise when we actually did start playing and it was nothing like that <laughs> at all. Um, but th that's just like the archetype concert man forever, I think. So that's why... I can't I'm, believe I've not seen that. Yeah, amazing. Mate, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it tonight. Such, it's such a great thing to watch tonight. It's such a, yeah. great, it's such a great piece of filmmaking. Um, and I'm, I'm, at this gig, I'm getting everyone in. So Van Morrison turns up <laughs> in a purple sequin like sort of looks like a sort of why am I going to say chicken suit? I don't know why I'm going to say chicken suit, but <laughs> a, a purple sequin suit, and he is just like formidable, unbelievable, such a great performance, and um, yeah, just really, just really worth watching, and just there's probably never been a better like rock and roll show captured. I can't imagine. Do, do, would, would it would it be them of that time, like so a recreation of? Of that gig, like an exact recreation. Uh, it can't be now. Uh, I would. I'd have a. Sh <laughs> I'd have a shout of. Uh, I would have a shout for. Um, Dylan's latest record is phenomenal, and there's nothing I like more in this world than going and watching Bob Dylan these days, and going really, and like two minutes in being like, I think it's like a Rolling Stone actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I look. Me and my brothers love that game where you like picking what it is, and I. I still think Dylan is, is, I mean, that that new record is so inspiring, man, that someone can make an album like that at the age of, what, he must be nearly 80. But no, I want Dylan from 76, That that the band is 76. What What's your, well, I, I, I had to say, I've, I've seen Dylan once, and it was at Benicassim 2011, which you would not think is a Dylan crowd. I mean, and it wasn't a Dylan crowd, like the Benicassim crowd. It's... That was, I think we played after him then. I think that might yes. be. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, and then we saw you after, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, that, that's mad. Yeah. But that same thing. That wasn't a different crowd at all, was it? No, I mean, I was loving it. And I, that was the main reason I went to that festival was to see Dylan. Um, I'm, most of my mates were, well, they, you know, kind of like like a Rolling Stone and, and whatnot, but not heavily into the back catalogue. But it's exactly the same thing. He had no, I remember he had the screens. Did he, did he have the screens off? Just to, he basically had his back to the crowd, and I was like, everyone's like, what's, what the fuck's he singing? I'm like, shh, shh just, uh, once upon a time, just so fun, you have done. It's a good uh, but, it, it was like, it was not a great booking, that was it, for that crowd? <laughs> no, I fucking loved it though. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your favorite Dylan period as a massive Dylan head? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And it's, I, I've been sort of, I've been sort of going through all the records actually. In lockdown because it's sort of reassuring at the moment i don't i don't know what my favorite is but at the moment i'm locked into his uh christian phase from the early 80s oh wow slow train coming is like such a fantastic record
then one after it is called Saved, which has got a very, very heavy religious photo of a hand and loads of like big hand and loads of little hands going to reach it, which is basically a sort of gospel record of him talking about being saved by the Lord. Um, which always used to be like, you know, I used to always get told to stay away from those records, but I've got well into them. I love them. Um, but my favourite dinner here is probably mid-70s, Blood, Blood on the Tracks. They sat together in the park As the evening sky grew dark She looked at him and he felt a spark Tingle to his bones T'was then he felt alone and wished that he'd gone straight and watched out for a simple twist of fate. On the tracks, yeah. Desire, Street Legal, which is probably the same time time as the last walks, actually. That's my favourite Dylan era. Because he's spitting venom, but he's also a bit wounded. Heartbroken. Exactly. That's where all the best stuff comes, unfortunately. Yeah. I think with uh, Bob Dylan's religious period, it's a bit like Johnny Cash's religious period as well. I think if you sort of ignore that he's singing religious songs and just take them as songs about yeah, other other it. stuff, then you can still appreciate them for what they are, which is good songwriting. Same with Je- good, good Kanye, West, Kanye, West, Kanye West as well, Jesus exactly, King. Exactly, yeah. Famously on, um, to that point, famously on Slow Train coming, Martin Offler from Dire Straits plays guitar on that record. And he just recorded the guitar parts without knowing um the lyrical content so wow. when the record came out he was like <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> he just thought he was just told to sort of noodle along uh, didn't realize he was getting abducted into a christian sect oh poor martin so, yeah. Where do, you, where do you stand on the, I know it's a, a debate that's been 50 years gone now, but would you have been one of the people, it happened obviously, me, me and Tommy both lived just outside Manchester, it happened at the Free Trade Hall where he got called Judas for yeah. switching from acoustic to electric. Has that ever bothered you? Would do you think it would have bothered you at the time that much? Oh no, I don't, I don't really like, I don't, that's my least favourite Dylan period is the earliest acoustic records. I think it, it I think it almost starts at that free trade hall, play it fucking loud. <laughs> thing. That's where Dylan really, obviously there's some brilliant songwriting before that, but I think that's where, for me, that's where the real Dylan starts, actually. Yeah. That, that's my favorite performance of anything ever on YouTube is when he does the play it fucking loud, but. Good Oh God. Yeah, and it's just, you've never seen anyone just sing something with so much, like so much vitriol and pure oh, yeah. animalistic aggression. He just he's spitting into the mic, and he he looks so sick. Like and every like, and it's just us against them. That whole thing and the fear, the fearlessness of of doing that is so admirable. But he just sounds amazing, and the, the amount he pitches, like he, he peaks so much, but. Yeah, and also I'm really looking forward to like adding that onto this bit, just so I can watch oh, this. Oh yeah, it'd be great to hear that again.
yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, the other, I mean, it is the other interesting thing about that is that it's amazing how times change so much that that anyone at that time even considered that to be unlistenable noise. Know what I mean? Yeah. Because people respond to it as if it was like, like deathcore. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you hear it back now, it's just like good rock and roll music, really. Yeah, it's yeah. guitars. It's not like particularly. I saw, always found that funny about the Beatles when everyone's sort of saying that they're, you know, sent from the devil, and then the music's like love, love, love. <laughs> <laughs> how times change, but that could be so um, threatening to people. Um, would you have, is there anyone else, anyone else you'd have playing that day? Like some of the people who feature with them, would there maybe be? Oh, maybe I've got a massive list. Do you want to hear, do you want to, so maybe we can cram these. Go for it. I can reel these out. We can do these on, um, day four and five of the test. You know, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. You guys like it for panel don't mind. I, yeah. I'm, are you, John, are you happy with it? I want to hear some of the names before I approve it. All right. Okay. <laughs> this is, I'm going to read, read them out really quickly. <clears throat> Loudon Wainwright, Roots Maneuver, Beastie Boys, Big Thief, Everything Everything, Iron Clute, British Sea Power, Radiohead, Clinic, Inspol, Nina Simone, The Strokes, Idols, Fontaine's DC, Paco Dulacia, Dulacia, Boozu Chavis, BB King, and Curtis Mayfield. Oh, why? That's the rest of the lineup. So, yeah, uh, you have me at Beastie Boys, then Fontaine's DC, and I am Clute, so I'm on board. I'm on board with you. Nice. We'll, we'll approve those. Oh, uh, Beastie Boys, yeah. Um, yeah. Big. Big Thief, man. I they, they seem to be they, they're just a random one I picked out, but they seem to be a, a a modern band that really stand out for I don't know pretty much amongst anyone at the moment. They seem to be unanimously everyone's just like this band are next level. Yeah, man, she's she's an incredible songwriter. I know another band, and when you watch them live, there's just a different magnetism to it. I think it's just it's real, like you can just feel it's the real thing, and it's quite it's quite hard to even articulate that really. I'm just saying, look at this list. Like, a, I mean, Radiohead, Nina Simone, <laughs> they can consider themselves very un unfortunate not to be headlining. <laughs> Somehow they've agreed to to be somewhere down the bill. <laughs> but, but no offense, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boys. But Nina, Nina Simone and Beastie Boys below the yeah, Beastie yeah, Boys yeah. are considering themselves quite unfortunate. Curtis Mayfield has <laughs> run out of luck if he's in the middle of this. <laughs> but let's not, let's not. We don't need to. Go. Let's not dwell on that. No, let's not dwell on it. <laughs> Tommy, do you want to go through the actual finalised lineup of Felix's Festival? Yep. I will go through that for you guys. So Felix White's festival is the Boxing Day Test Festival. The reason for that is because it's at the MCG and it's on the dates that would have been the 2021 Boxing Day Test Ashes. Exactly. What are you trapping now, mate? 
so oh i also did note down we will have a stage called the bumble stage which will be the equivalent of the john peel stage uh, first. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> radio head can be on the bumble stage <laughs> yeah they can be on the bumble stage and Boxing Day, uh, first day of the festival, which is Sunday, 26th of December, 2021. We've got the AAS headlining. On the Monday, 27th of December, 2021, is Public Enemy. Uh, 28th of December, 2021, which is the Tuesday, we've got the band, uh, sorry, the band and Bob Dylan doing Martin Scorsese's The Last Waltz, the same performance as that. Um, on the other stages, the next two days of the test, if the test that lasts that long and if the weather uh, keeps holding if the wicket stays flat we've got <laughs> some of the people i've mentioned i've noted down i've probably missed a couple but we've got roots maneuver big thief british sea power fontaine's dc strokes idols bb king the beastie boys radiohead and nina simone so we'll kind of cram those guys in felix white thank you for coming on your fest total pleasure guys thank you that's thank actually you a good much. festival as well it's a fucking great festival man <laughs> I wasn't sure about it before this chat, but that actually sounds like a really good like way to spend Boxing Day. That was episode eight of Your Fest with Felix White, uh, wonderful guest. Uh, I think uh, you enjoyed that one because it was heavily cricket influenced. Yeah, and I mean, I listened back to it and I thought, I mean, was I too excitable? Yes, I probably was, but that was for good reason because we had a lot of fun, didn't we? He was a brilliant guest and kind of unexpected. I didn't like, I think uh, Public Enemy was quite left field. And then that was one of my favorite anecdotes as well that we've had on the podcast so far, the whole like Flavor Flav thing on, on, the, uh, on the beach. Flavor Flav on a jet ski. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a hashtag for this week's episode. Um, if you want to hashtag along, it's hashtag flavor flavor on a jet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is. That was not pre-prepared, but yes, it is now. Um, if you enjoyed listening to Felix on this week's episode, you can follow him on Twitter at Felix White. You can listen to the Maccabees, and you can listen to Tailenders on the BBC or wherever you get your podcast from, whatever. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnny Gabriel. Don't follow me on Instagram, please. You can follow Tommy on Instagram, though, and you can follow him on Twitter as well at Tom Andrew Stu. And you can follow Your Fest at Your Fest Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. So please do that as well. Leave us a nice review somewhere. Um, it gets us up the charts um, yep. and um, makes more people listen to us, I imagine. And that's what this is all about, really. We're shadow people. Um, so join us, <laughs> join us again next week for episode nine of Your Fest, and we'll see you then. Bye. It's a, it's a biggie. Oh, go well. Go well. Cheers. Sorry. Had to do it. Spicy one or something. <laughs> <laughs> Your Festers of the World take over. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Love you.